Harvest is just weeks away in many parts of the country, and with weather keeping everyone guessing, the results of DTN's annual digital yield tour are more important than ever. What might that data reveal? That's today on Field Posts. This is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. DTN's fifth annual digital yield tour is just a few days away, taking place August 8th through August 12th. With the help of cutting-edge data from Grow Intelligence, including satellite imagery, AI, and machine learning that updates day by day, The tour promises to add some very timely clarity on what is currently an uncertain crop picture. Today, DTN's farm business editor Katie Dellinger joins us for a preview of the tour, including her expectations of what might be in the data and on the ground for key corn and soybean states, info about regions that will be covered, and all the details you'll need to follow along and even participate. We'll also dig into how the models work and discuss changes since last year's tour, right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at MyDTN.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. DTN Farm Business Editor Katie Dellinger joins us today to preview the 2022 DTN Digital Yield Tour. Katie, give us a little bit of just an update. Remind us what this tour is and how it works. Well, Sarah, this is the fifth year of the DTN Digital Yield Tour, powered by Grow Intelligence. And what it is and what we do every year, I think, is really interesting because we take a digital view of what's going on in the field and we pair it with insights from farmers all across the Corn Belt. We get to tour and take in-depth looks and crop conditions and really yield prospects in 10 different states across the grown regions for corn and soybeans. And so we get a really broad cross-section of what the crop looks like ahead of the August WASD report, ahead of some of the other major crop tours that happen. We cover more states in a more comprehensive way because we are using Grow Intelligence's computer-generated and machine learning AI models to really power the information for this tour. These models, after working with them for four years now, I'm constantly amazed at how well they perform. Last year, they were closer to USDA's January final number for corn and soybeans than USDA was in September, in August. So what they really do is they build in so much data, it's it's almost hard to explain. But what they do is they build a yield forecast for corn at the district level. And they do that for all the districts in a county. 
and then they put together the county estimates and then they aggregate that up and up into a state and a national corn and soybean yield estimate. And so these yield estimates really come from a very granular, detailed, data-driven approach. They use some of the NDVI maps supplied by NASA. They combine it with a plethora of weather, soil moisture, and climate data about the crops growing conditions. They include weather forecasts. So it's not just what has happened in the past, but it's what the weather forecast for that very specific district mean could be in the future. So they're very advanced and they use machine learning in a way so that when we have odd things happen in the weather, a flash drought or a derecho or these different weather conditions in different areas, it learns from that and can apply it in a different in different times. So these models keep getting better and better over time. And so what we found is that they're really accurate. They they provide this really great perspective, especially in the middle of August, beginning middle of August, when soybeans are still filling out their pods and you know the rainfall in August really makes a difference. With corn, it's usually past that critical pollination period and starting to fill and really able to get some good pictures of what's going on with the crops. So we get this really interesting look from the data. And then as reporters, we go out and we talk and we visit with a lot of different farmers. I'm already planning a trip for next week up to McLean County, Illinois, where I'm going to be visiting with a grower there in sort of that heart of corn country, seeing what it looks like. And so I'm excited to get out and walk some of those soybean fields myself without having to spend five days in a week in a car with strangers. I can get up and visit the farmers I know. I can get some good on the ground perspective. I'm going to be calling some folks and getting all of that for the news articles we put out really to flesh out and add some life to this raw data because data is fun. Data is interesting. Data is hard to write about, but everyone wants to know what farmers are seeing and what farmers are thinking. So we've got a really great method to combine the two. Yeah, I think that ground truth thing is such an important part of this. Talk a little bit, obviously you are planning to do some traveling in the coming weeks, but talk a little bit about just from what you have seen and heard and the numbers you've seen so far, expectations about trends or as you go into looking at this, these numbers in a week or so, what do you expect to see? So right now, sort of early look, I've glanced at GROWS models, looking at some things. The yield expectations are lower than what they were last year. They are lower than what USDA is currently putting out, but what USDA is currently sharing right now in its WASI reports are trendline-based estimates. If corn and soybean yields followed trend, corn yields nationally would average 177 bushels per acre, soybeans would average 51 and a half. And I think the anticipation is that the crops are going to be, or at least the average national yields are going to be smaller than that this year. The question really is, where is it going to take a hit and where might it come in above expectation? I think variability is really what we're expecting this year, given some of the spring weather, some planting delays in some parts, some emerging drought, some areas where they're right on the brink. If they get rain, they could be good. If they don't get rain, they could fall off. It's wide, widespread conditions 
conditions across the Corn Belt this year. And so I mentioned that we cover 10 states. We cover Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Kansas, Missouri, South Dakota, and Minnesota. And so geographically, that's just a really huge area. But when you look at some of the national crop progress right now, I looked at this week's crop progress reports. The corn crop is 62% silk gang. It's about 8% behind average. As far as ratings, it's 61% good to excellent, which is the third lowest since 2010. And there have been some big drops in Nebraska and Kansas, notably, which are grow a significant amount of corn, especially in Nebraska. The dryland areas there are really feeling the pinch of drought at that critical pollination period, which is happening and going through right now. On soybeans, they're blooming, they're setting pods. It's about 59% good to excellent on those. A little lower than last year, than last week, but a little higher than last year. So there's a lot to be said yet for the soybean crop here at the end of July. There's lots to do for it. And when you look at the weather forecast this week, there's been a break in sort of the heat. There have been a couple of cold fronts that have moved through the Corn Belt and that brought some moisture, but the hot and dry pattern is expected to return. So I think it kind of you know, the pollen, if there are pollination problems, if this crop is behind, that's something we will start to be able to see by the time the crop tour comes. And that's really one of the questions this year with the hot and dry weather in many parts of the country is how well did this crop pollinate and what's the potential because of that? I think that's something we're really going to be looking for this year. We are definitely in the part of the season when weather is driving the markets and expectations, but this year in particular seems like there is a lot more wild cards still in play. Talk to us a little bit as you are preparing to head into this crop tour. What is it going to look like? So in most traditional crop tours, what they do is they start out in one place, they work through the corn belt, and then they come up and they aggregate and they come up with sort of a national estimate. So they do sort of state, 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 national. And we have done that same pattern for the digital yield tour in the past few years, where we've done sort of groups of states as we go through and then end with the national yield. And we were really thinking about it and we were saying, why do we do it that way? And it's because that's what we're used to when you call something a crop tour. But when we really thought about what people are most interested in, the number the market wants the most is the national yield estimates. So we've decided to actually start off the tour with those numbers this year, instead of going through this state by state, building up the case to come to this national number, we decided to say, okay, here's the national number and here's all the reasons why and how we got there in the days following. So what we'll do is on Monday, August 8th, we will release those national estimates for corn and soybeans and give the broader general market overview for then on the Tuesday, August 9th, we're going to look at the yield potential in Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois. On Wednesday the 10th, we're going to really dive into Iowa, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. That's a little bit of a different state pairing than we've done in the past. We've changed things around a bit to group states that have similar conditions this year. And then on Thursday the 11th, Kansas and Missouri. And then the other change is on Friday, we're going to do South Dakota and Minnesota. And part of the reason we paired those two together and moved them towards the end is that the Farm Service Agency will release their first prevented planting numbers on that day. And that's really in South Dakota and Minnesota, an area where we might have seen some of that really have an impact. So we decided to put those states together at that day when we have that additional data we can include just as a different talking point to go with it. And that Friday the 12th is also the last day that week. So we're really going to give a full picture of what yields are across the Corn Belt before that national report comes out. You mentioned going to visit a few farmers that you know. Talk about how 
farmers who are encountering this information and who maybe have are having a different regional experience or think that their numbers align well, want to join the conversation, how can they get involved or participate? Well, we're using the hashtag DTM Digital Yield Tour 2022. They're also welcome to email me at katie.dellinger at dtm.com. I would be happy to have a conversation with anyone that really wants to share that information with us to tell us what they're seeing, what their yield estimates are. We do encourage farmers to go out right around and during the time of the tour and, and count off their paces, pull their ears, measure the grain length, count their kernels, and really see what's out there. Farmers are doing this every day. I don't need to tell them to go and do it, but to share some of that information with us would be great. We welcome that. We're going to be sharing a lot of this on Twitter and Facebook, on our social media. We're going to be doing some videos throughout the week, just really trying to make it as interactive as we can, because we know the Corn Belt is a really big place and regional variation is going to be a big part of the story this year. If you are in a part of a county that didn't get the rains or a part that got too much rain, it really changes the picture. And averages are just that, they're averages. They don't tell the whole story. And sometimes it hides things in there. And it's nice to pick out some different things. I know one farmer we're going to be visiting with from Nebraska, for instance, replanted soybeans two or three times and they just got hailed out again. And so he's had a very tough growing season and it'll be interesting to see what the yield estimates and grows models for his county look like compared to what he's seeing on the farm and how they reflect that. So these are, those are the types of things that I find really interesting when we do this project every year is being able to compare what these farmers are saying and seeing to what's showing up on the models. I want to yeah. dig in on the data side a little bit more too, because I think you mentioned the reliability of gross data and how closely it tracks to USDA's final numbers. But I still feel like I hear occasional pushback on farmers who are just like, I like the old fashioned way. I like to count kernels. Could you talk a little bit about why maybe some of those older models of making a yield estimate might not be as reliable as they used to be? So when we do, when we talk about estimating corn yields, there are a lot of different formulas and methods to do so. One of the most common, some of the most common and simple ones that are used on other crop tours really don't account for test weight. And we've seen some development and changes with hybrids that are out today that they can really pack on test weight, grow at their kernel size later in the year than what they maybe did back in the 2000s and early 2010s. So there have been some evolutions in the hybrids of corn where we found that more specific um, formulas for calculating corn yield can be more accurate. So for farmers, a lot of them have been doing that for a long time. So it's one of the differences between other crop tours that are out there and farmers that are there. When we used a simple formula last year, for example, on a farm, when I visited Southern Indiana, the estimates for corn yield were 20 to 30 bushels off what the farmer thought he was going to get and what grows that they were going to get. And so grows numbers were actually more accurate than some of those simple formulas because it accounted for things like test weight and how that corn would develop. So there's some advantages there. I think what's really interesting is that these models take into account so much data that they really have a perspective that you sometimes can't see in the field. Sometimes you can't see, physically see the moisture. You can know and track and see. You can't see what the forecast is when you look at it. You can guesstimate. But this 
is a way of really putting the numbers to it. And I find it's been really, it's always interesting to compare. Sometimes though, those models don't always see what the farmer sees. Sometimes farmers say, hey, it's looking really dry. These corn leaves are starting to roll and that might show up in the data, but it might take a little longer for it to fully work its way into the model. A lot of that has to do with the NDVI that is provided by NASA satellites. That that data only gets updated every eight to 10 days. So sometimes hot and dry period can really scorch a crop if there's not enough soil moisture, but it doesn't fully reflect into a yield model like rose until that updated map comes through because it relies on in some ways the greenness of the crop to help create a correlation to yield. So there are some elements like that that take time that sometimes a farmer can see in the field and it takes a while to get yield to model. So it sounds complicated and in some ways it is, but it doesn't have to be. It can be as as much as someone wants to dive into all these elements, they don't have to. Gross models will do it for you. And they update and they change every single day, which I think is really interesting. All the way up until the middle of November or so when all the crop is harvested and there's nothing else for them to look at. And that's the point when Grow puts out their final yield estimates for the year compared to USDA's estimates in January. And the real benefit here of getting a good look at these estimates at this time of year is it helps farmers make informed decisions about their post-harvest and their harvest time marketing plans. Maybe it's a good time to make a sale if they think the, the yield estimate is going to be higher or lower than what USDA is putting out. Sometimes that mismatch creates a marketing opportunity. Sometimes if they look at these local conditions there, they might be able to see a cash sale opportunity that they may not have seen if they didn't have a better picture of this data. So that's really the insight we're trying to provide is sort of a look at the national level of the size of the crop, because that is what matters to the futures markets. But we also do these state level dive-ins to help farmers really understand and work with their cash markets in their local basis. I think I just have one last logistical question, which is, so now that we've jazzed everyone up about what they can learn from the Yield Tour, I imagine there's going to be some daily stories, some maps that folks can look at. What else, what other kind of information can people dive into on the Yield Tour and where do they find it? Yep. You can go to dtmpf.com. We'll also have a special spotlights page highlighting the digital yield tour coverage. We'll have a news story on those states and those breakdowns that I, I described earlier each day. So we'll have something up each day on that. We'll have links to Grow's interactive displays. So if your county is not highlighted in our article, you can go to those links. You can open it up, see it for yourself, see where Grow is putting those yield estimates so you can compare on your own for both corn and soybeans. We'll also have videos from our visits with farmers. So we'll have a lot of different types of content and ways to engage on this story. So you can look at the crops through our videos with farmers. You can look at them through the maps and through grows yield models. And you can look at it through our analysis and reporting on our articles on dtmpf.com. Also, while we're here, while I have you, give us an update on, I, you cover obviously the yield tour and drive a lot of that reporting, but also are working on a number of other things, I assume. Give us kind of a, a preview of articles that you're working on that folks should be on the lookout for. Well, later on in the mid to late August, I'm heading to Kansas to K-State's Risk and Profit Conference. I'm really looking forward to that one. There's a lot of financial updates. There's a lot 
on land values. I think that's going to be a very interesting thing here. Now that interest rates are starting to rise significantly, what's going to happen with this sort of fall and winter sales season? We've hit record land values across most of the Corn Belt, across a lot of parts of the country this year, and really seeing where that goes with interest rates. If investors are still buying land, it will be interesting. If farmers are the ones still buying land, if they're buying in cash or if they're borrowing, will be interesting questions in the next few months that we're going to look at. I'm also looking into a couple of things with crop insurance. It's always been a really valuable risk management tool for farmers, but there are a variety of programs and options out there that some people may not use. They might just go with their revenue protection policy at 80% every year and never think beyond or think in different ways. So I'm going to be visiting with some different growers, one who uses a whole farm revenue product out in Colorado. I'm going to be visiting with some farmers that are using various shallow loss programs. There's the margin protection insurance, which you have to sign up for in the fall. And if you don't pay attention and make that decision early, you might miss out on that opportunity. The SCO, the supplemental coverage option and the enhanced coverage option really do give farmers some different opportunities to protect risk at different levels. And it might be something with the volatile grain markets as they are, they, it might be something they could use as risk management tools for the next growing season to really take some of that financial risk off the table. So that's something I'm looking forward to getting started with here as fall rolls around. That's something we'll probably have out in the winter time when farmers are more focused on some of their business perspectives. Again, to follow the 2022 DTN Progressive Farmer Digital Yield Tour and all of Katie's reporting on ag business, check out DTNPF.com and follow the tour on social media with the hashtag DTNYieldTour22. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Katie Dellinger. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.